We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner shrine behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Um, I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 22. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I'm now going to read from Matthew, Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 to 56. Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour... Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and rocks were split, and tombs also were opened. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from afar, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. It's nice to be here. It really is. One story that's fascinated me my all my life 
from the Bible is that moment in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 51. And it's a very simple phrase. And I don't know why I've never preached on it before. But here it is. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. It happened at three o'clock in the afternoon, just at the time when Jesus died. And it's to do with a new way that's been opened up for us. Way back in the Old Testament, at Advent times, in Advent times, we look back, I should say, in the Old Testament, and it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Things have changed. And when Jesus was taken as a child into the temple, this old chappy came up to the parents and said those wonderful words, Now let thy servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. Things have changed. That moment the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Things have changed. This curtain split with the divine hand. I, I don't think anybody thought that that kind of thing could ever happen. It was an impossibility. But things have changed. It's such a wonderful verse. It's Matthew and Mark and Luke that pick it up. They all mention it. This wonderful Greek word which is katapetasta, which means split. Split in two. Now one of my favourite films is uh, Dead Poet Society. I'm not boasting if I said to you I've actually seen it 45 times. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. I must watch it two or three times in a year. And there's one point where Robin Williams comes into the classroom and they've all got their poetry books. And uh, he asks, what is poetry? And it seems as though there's an A.J. Pritchard that must have written this book. And he talks about the way in which the, the meter and the lines all join together. And uh, how that, if it's said slowly and meaningfully, how that the poetry comes out. And these are the famous words of Robin Williams. Boys, rip it out. Rip it out. Cast it into the dustbin. Be gone, A.J. Pritchard. Be gone. That's not poetry. That's not life. 
rip it out. And this is what happened here. And it happens in our lives. That sometimes there is a tearing. And this verse tells us here that this curtain is not needed anymore. There's a new way that's opened up. In fact, let me, let me give you three ideas. First of all, restriction is removed. I believe James Stewart in one of his sermons called it the barrier removed. Well, this is the restrictions. That's how I see it. The restrictions. The temple worship was all about stay away. Stay your distance. Keep back. Know your place. Things haven't changed much, have they? Uh, Know your place. Keep your distance. So here it is. Here's the temple. There was, first of all, the court of the women, then the court of the Gentiles, or the court of the Gentiles, then the court of the women, then the temple itself, and there was a place there called the holy place, and then there was this little block in the middle, no light, called the holy of holies. Now, only priests could go in to the holy place. Only the high priest could go in to the Holy of Holies. The temple was not an area where you could hang around and have coffee and biscuits. And if you'd come to do business with God, other people did it for you. The priests, they held on to their authority. They did it. So the very heart of Jewish religion took place in this little box called the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. The high priest came in once a year and he came in with some goat's blood and he splashed it on the Ark of the Covenant. It was all tied up. There was no room for anybody else this was a restricted area on that day of atonement he came in he had um, special clothes to wear he would bring the blood of a goat he would sprinkle what's called the mercy seat that's the, um, the top of the ark of the covenant and the whole system shouted this back off Don't draw near. This is something that has been done for you. Now it's a strange thing. Is if you go to Wally Abbey. And you. It's only the the ruins now. But if you stand in Wally Abbey. 
the ordinary folk have this like little bit to sit in and everything else was done for you and if you went to Lincoln Cathedral I I love cathedrals but if you go to Lincoln Cathedral it all happens in a box there's a door but you can't see through it but it all happens in there it's done for you I tell you what, these are the restrictions of the highest order. There were two massive pillars there. One called Jakin and one called Boaz. You just didn't pass beyond them. No, no, no. Know your place. Oh, the times when I've argued with Anglicans and Roman Catholics. When they've as much as said, know your place. I said the veil of the temple has been rent in two. Restrictions do not apply. Do not apply. And so this this veil was ripped in two. It's not your standard veil. It's not your front room curtains, ladies. All right, believe you me, it isn't. This is um, 60 foot by 20 foot. It took 300 men to lift it. And the thickness will be about 12 inches. And in, in it was worked cherubim. It must have been an absolute marvelous sight. And when Jesus died, he said, enough is enough. The veil of the temple was rent in two. Enough is enough. Torn from top to bottom. God did that. The hand of God did that. And it's saying, you don't hide God any longer. For the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Restrictions have been ripped into listen men and women there are times in the life of our church that we depend more on restrictions than we do on life we are about life we're not about restrictions we're about life and life in all its fullness as the way in which the Dutch people translated you know that the kingdom of God will be thrown at you thrown at you you need a good bucket to catch that's what you need well the restrictions are removed but listen there's something else here because in Hebrews chapter 10 that uh, was read look again at this because this is this is so good Even I got excited about it. From Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. 19. Therefore brothers. That's brothers and sisters by the way. It's a Delphi. It means from the same womb as. Get the meaning. 
In Christ there is no male or female. Therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, which is, of course, the Hebrew writer says, his body. Well, I'm going to call this point, opportunities are opened up. I think that when that temple veil was rent in two, down through the years, it's breathed confidence into the people of God. And there is one thing that is missing from the church today, and that is confidence. Confidence in what we're about, confidence in what we do, confidence in who we are in Christ. Confident of what we believe. Some, uh, I'm with the high flyers. Well, Mike, I'm pleased to said that because normally they call me brother and I think they've forgotten my name. Well, Mike, how is it with you? I said, okay. Are you, uh, are you struggling with your belief? No. Oh. Well, we have to struggle with our belief. Fine. Well, just at present, I'm not. And I'll tell you something, Captain, is this. I have confidence in Christ. I have confidence that when that veil of the temple was rent in two, restrictions went out of the window and opportunities were opened up for the people of God. And how do I know it? Because the scripture says, we have this confidence. Or am I reading from a different Bible? We have this confidence. Now, listen to me. In your looking to the future, I want you to have confidence. I want you to have confidence in people who lead, in deacons, who lead the young people. I want you to have confidence in them. Don't be people that pull down. Have confidence. I believe that's what's missing today in the church. We're all on about, you know, oh dear, and this and that and the other. I'm thinking, I, I don't know if it's the same faith. Okay, so there are times when, when I felt my back against the wall. I know that. But I have never, ever lost confidence in God. And I find having confidence in God is an incredible privilege. It's an opportunity to do something special. To do something enjoyable with your life. I better say that one again. To do something enjoyable with your life. You, can I tell you, you can enjoy life. You can. With all that it throws at you, you can enjoy life. 
And there might be a curved ball come at you at some point. And you might try and hit it. It might zim all over the place. So what? Oh, men and women. Enjoy your life. Enjoy it. What a privilege it is today to enter into God's presence. To, to come into the holy place. The temple veil has been ripped. It's no longer a restriction. It's an opportunity to come in. And the, the tur- curtain was torn in two. A new way it calls it. I call it in any time. Any time. Have you lost sight of opportunity? We have access all areas. Ooh, just a moment. Look at this. Oh, here it is. Deeply Veil, 40th anniversary weekend. Artists and crew. <laughs> yes. Yes. Backstage access. <laughs> For the whole weekend. I can go anywhere. I can eat as much as I want. <laughs> I can drink as much as I want because I've got backstage access. And God says, you've got access. You've got access. Opportunities opened up. That you're a friend of Jesus. That you're a member of God's own family. You've got an an entrance privilege. Hey, me and Mary, we're doing um, National Trust. Loving it. Oh, you get there, and there's the queue, and you go. (laughs) And walk in. Got access. We've got access. Why? I've got the piece of, of paper. It says, access. You don't have to pay. Just walk right in. They'll take a a shot of your, 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 um, your thing. That's fine by me. Yes. I've got entrance privilege. Now, I I know today many people have access to things that I will never have. They've got access to to health that I I, I could never get. They can get tickets to sold-out events. They can get tickets. I know a guy who gets me tickets. It's sold out. But he can get me tickets. And there are those moments, it's never happened to me, when you walk in a restaurant and the maitre d' says, two, this way. And you phoned up and you stood outside waiting for a table. They can walk in too. Anyhow. Anytime you like. Hey, no problem. 
no worry. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, I have instant access to the throne of grace. Anytime, anywhere, I have access. My Father will never turn me away. The curtain has been ripped in two. Restrictions are finished. Opportunity has opened up. Isn't it strange that nobody's ever contradicted this veil being torn? And isn't it strange that at the same time that the veil was being torn in two, Jesus said, it is finished on the cross. And not only that, a Roman centurion looked up and said, surely this was the Son of God. The light has shone in the darkness. And when God said, let there be light in Genesis, that's what he's continued to do right through the years to bring light. For he is my light and my salvation. We're called to walk in that light. The opportunity is there to walk in the light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. We don't belong to the darkness. We belong to the light. And if God is there, there is no darkness at all. An opportunity. But you know, to finish with, I've got a third one for you. Restrictions are out. Wow. Well, that's a big one, isn't it? To the best of times. Yep, restrictions are out. Opportunities are opened up. And there's a hope with a new horizon. Restrictions are removed. Opportunities opened up. The veil of the temple was rent in two. And it says this. Our hope of eternal life has been confirmed by God himself. And God said, watch this. But more than that, Hebrews chapter 6 tells us this. Ooh, I love it, I love it. Hebrews 6, 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have a hope. Don't let anybody... Take that hope from you. Don't let them take it. We have it, men and women, in Christ. We have an anchor for the soul. It's what brings security to the ship and to those on board. Hope, steadfast, sure. That's the promise of God. And to know that when 
your life comes in to the harbour. See, many people think of this anchor being out there, you know, in the seas. Well, it could be, but here it isn't. This anchor is what you come into the harbour and they take the anchor. You've got to realise that there's not massive things. And they find a rock and they wrap the anchor round the rock. We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Saviour's love. Do you know it was Edward Moat, is an amazing man, and he, he, he wrote this great hymn. You'll know it by now. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. All the rest is sinking sand. I don't want to live my life on sinking sand. I want to live my life with hope. An horizon and a future. And for you men and women, if you come this morning and you're suffering a bit from your own weakness. Your own failure. Your own defeat. Dear me, talking about me now. Your own frustration. Your own misfiring. Do you know there are sometimes when that shame comes over my life. But there's hope in Christ. This hope in Christ will cover that shame. It's like that man who came to Jesus and uh, he said to him, you know, yes, I do believe. I really do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. And he gave this man a new hope and a new horizon and a new future. That's what hope does. If you think that your faith depends on you, you're in deep trouble. And this morning, I, I, I want us after breaking bread and pouring water, I want us to go with hope that's there in our hearts. Nobody, I think, expressed that hope greater than the incredible Dr. Martin Luther King. Corny took some stick, didn't he? Go on, and I will. Just let me close my eyes for a moment and uh, and catch it. I have a dream. That one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood.
I have a dream. I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation that will not judge them on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of nullification, that one day right down in Alabama, little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white girls and with little white boys. As brothers and sisters, I have a dream. A man with a hope. A man with a dream. But now we come to uh, the bread and the wine. And it's a little story that I found on the internet about James Stewart's preaching. And this is what he said. He said, one morning in, in the chapel, the bread and wine were being passed round and this lady, she let the bread go by. And it was noted by one of the older men. And he got up and went sat beside her. He said, no lassie. No, no, no. Take it. It's meant for sinners like you and me. And he offered the bread. And she took it. Don't let this bread pass you by. It's for you. I don't feel worthy. Big deal, neither do I. But I've got a hope. And an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure. So God has opened up a door of hope. This hope has an horizon. You know, when God went, he preached the best sermon. And there were no words. It just says the veil of the temple was rent in two. Restrictions are over. There's that deep longing inside us that says, I I want to live my life with opportunities that are now opened up. And I want to hope. I want to hope with a horizon. I've always said it and I'll say it again. These kids, listen to me, these kids, they're killers, are they? These kids are not the church of tomorrow. They are not. They are the church of today. They are the church of today. That's what they are. There's a hope that's like an anchor for the soul. And it says you're welcome in the family of God. Let nothing keep you away. No wonder that lad, that centurion, 
could say, surely this was the Son of God. So I'll leave you with Romans chapter 1, chapter 12, sorry, about verse 9. No, verse 12. Romans 12, 12. Dead easy to remember. Just listen. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Are you going to rise to the occasion? Amen.